Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Welcome back, all faithful Credo listeners, new and old. We're back for another session of Q&A with Bishop Julian. We welcome Bishop Julian to the hot seat once again. Thank you, Javenna. And here we have with you to ask your questions is Jeremy Ambrose. Hello, everyone. And myself, Javenna Graham. Now, Bishop, today we're going to get right to the punchline and talk about church, the church's teaching on condom use. Okay. So there can really be no doubt of the church's position on contraception, including condom use. Some, some people would say is being quite harsh. Um, how can we possibly justify our teaching on condom use in the face of rampant um, sexually transmitted infections, particularly AIDS, um, and particularly in the African context? This has been an issue that uh, the church has received very uh, solid criticism for, and many people can be quite, actually quite angry at the church um, for this. It would seem that... Uh, the church is, is just uh, being hard and unreasonable. Uh, there's a terrible pandemic in, in Africa, particularly in other poorer countries around the world where thousands and thousands of people are um, suffering from AIDS and being infected by it. And, of course, um, many, many children are being orphaned uh, as a result of parents dying of AIDS. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrible situation in these, these countries and uh, the efforts to, uh, to deal with it are, are, are very limited. And, and so the, the global view of, for, for, for many organisations like the United Nations is that, um, that the only answer to um, the, the increase in AIDS across the world is to use condoms. And, and of course, the great campaigns around safe sex you know, promoted um, across the world to say that um, that you know to, you have to be to be responsible. You should uh, use uh, a condom um, to protect somebody uh, against the possible transmission of AIDS. It's um, it's something which uh, just to to so many people in the world uh, seems incongruous that the Catholic Church, which stands to, to express concern and compassion for those in need and those who are suffering would take such a position. But the church has been consistent in, in adopting this position. We would go back to the statements of uh, Pope Paul VI back in 1968 in Humano Vitae, his document on um, human life, where he rejected there the use of contraception in any in any form that itself was at the time um, related then just simply to married life was something which was uh, uh, very strongly condemned and led to very strong dissent within the church itself. So the church has had a history of uh, taking a stance here that has not been popular, and as I said, in some cases, people have been very angry against the church because it, it seems that this position is just going to bring untold suffering and, and, and death to millions of people. Why can't the church um, change its position on this issue? Ultimately, 
the church takes a stand on this because of its fundamental understanding about the nature of sexuality, that it is something that should be expressed within a monogamous marriage, a stable union. It should be something that, uh, that is deeply respected in societies only within uh, the context of a marriage. Now, <clears throat> the implications of that, those spread out, of course, when people don't abide by those, those practices. But the church believes that for the good of humanity, we, we, we do need to keep emphasising that this is what sexuality is about and that um, we need to encourage people to understand this and, and really strive to live by this moral ideal. So, Bishop, how would you answer those who accuse the church of not caring at all or condemning, you know, people who are suffering from AIDS to, to death? Or, you know, a lot of people will accuse the church directly for the AIDS crisis in Africa. Mm. How would you answer those people? I think while the church's teaching is very, very clear on this and it's been consistent, at the same time, the church has responded very much to the AIDS crisis. And in fact, uh, it's, it's recognised um, that the, the Catholic Church is the single largest organisation in the world caring for those who are suffering from AIDS. And what we see in, uh, in our Catholic hospitals, for instance, here in Sydney, the, the St um, Vincent's Hospital uh, very quickly established a particular um, service to those who are suffering from AIDS and was really at the forefront of care of those who are suffering AIDS. The church has been very active through other organisations of caring for orphans and providing for the needs of those who suffer as a result of death of, of AIDS patients. There can be no doubt that the church has shown great compassion, has, uh, has really been in the lead of, of helping and assisting those who um, who are suffering under, under AIDS. So while the church takes a very clear stand about the moral issues surrounding AIDS, at the same time, the church is, has shown great compassion and has poured enormous resource and, and great dedication into uh, helping those who are suffering under AIDS. So Bishop, if condoms aren't the answer, what, what is? The, the answer very clearly is what the church has, teaches about the nature of sexuality. Now, the, the, the difficulty we have is that AIDS is spread, apart from uh, intravenous drug use, if we just put that to one side, it's one source of AIDS. But the main source of AIDS is, is, is promiscuity, is, is large numbers of uh, sexual partners. Of course, it's also been connected particularly with uh, sexual activity among homosexuals, and it's this issue to say that, that AIDS is because, in one sense, sexuality is not being respected and, and, and lived appropriately. So the answer to AIDS ultimately is for people to endeavour to change their, their practices and their, uh, and, and their, and their life uh, to accord with what really is God's plan and intention for sexuality. Now, that's not a message that's easy, easily received. Uh, as a church promotes um, marriage and sexuality within marriage, as it also uh, encourages and, and, and uh, people to adopt uh, abstinence 
from sexual activity outside of marriage. These are not easy messages to be accepted today, but there is a fundamental truth connected with them. And in the end, recognising the truth of this is actually going to be in the best interests of individuals' health, uh, but also for the good of society. So in a way, the AIDS crisis is a way of saying if we depart from God's plan and God's purpose for sexuality, that there are dangers that come. The AIDS is a terrible expression of that. But if you like, the AIDS is sort of also reflecting the fact that, that, that to misuse sexuality is damaging. And I would say not only in the level of health, but also in terms of people's own personal lives, in terms of uh, the sanctity, sacredness of marriage, of protecting and preserving nature of marriage, and also ultimately for the society itself. So while it's a very difficult message for many people to accept, and um, people at times can be very angry at the church for taking this stand, the church is also willing to say something which is essentially true about the nature of sexuality, the nature of human life. And I guess what the church has to say is, is something beautiful about the nature of love. So let's hope that the, well, the world can see past all the rhetoric and understand the deeper meaning of, of what we say when, when the church teaches about these things. So thank you, Bishop Julian. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Thank you. There's one hymn that, that is particularly associated with the Stations of the Cross. And I'd like to take this moment in our Cradio program today just to talk about this particular very beautiful and, and, and much-loved hymn. Um, you could probably think back to times, maybe particularly on Good Friday, of course, when we celebrate the uh, Stations of the Cross. There's one traditional hymn that is used a great Deal. It's in its Latin title. It's called the the Stabat Mater. Very simply, it's it's a hymn uh, about uh, Our Lady standing at the foot of the cross. It begins by saying, "There at the foot of the cross, the sorrowful mother stood." And um, I'm sure it's something that you've you've heard. We, we've seen that little three line yeah, yeah. Uh, verses of it at the end of each station. At the end of each station, yeah, it yeah. seems to run through. It's not directly. You should probably notice when you listen to the words and say the words. It's not directly linked to the fourteen stations of the cross, but there are the same number of verses, and so it's been quite easy to 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 sing these hymns between each of the stations, and it's. Uh, it's, I think, something very beautiful because um, while we follow the sufferings of Christ through the 14 stations of the cross, um, we also have, and comes very much out of our Catholic uh, heritage and, and, and our Catholic sense, we're, we're aware of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, standing at the foot of the cross. And so each, uh, each time after one of the stations, we like we go back and think of a Mary... There, standing at the foot of the cross, and we identify with her and her great sorrow and suffering, seeing her son uh, dying on the cross. Um, the, the hymn is uh, quite uh, quite ancient in the church. It's, it can be traced back to the 13th century, 
particularly in that period of the church, the 13th century, there was um, a focus on two things in particular in the spirituality of common, uh, common to Catholics. And that was, one was a great emphasis on the sufferings of Christ, and the other one was a great emphasis on devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, particularly at that uh, personal affective level, so the feeling. So you'll see the, the Starbuck Martyr is about really looking at all people f sensing the feelings, the emotions, the sorrow, the suffering of Our Lady as she stood at the foot of the cross. So this was very much the tenor of the times when Catholics would... would um, commemorate the sufferings of Christ, they were very conscious of, of the sufferings, what Christ went through as a man. But the Starbuck Martyr is if like the Marian hymn that is particularly connected with, um, with, with Mary's own experience standing at the foot of the cross. And I'm sure as you've sung the hymn, you just naturally feel yourself drawn to identify with Our Lady and you, you sense her, her sufferings in a way that's reflected in the, the great Michelangelo uh, sculpture of the Pieta, mm -hmm. you know, with Our Lady holding the, the dead Jesus in her, her arms, which captures that intense sorrow, suffering in the heart of, of Mary. This was very much the spirituality which was alive in the church and something that was um, very tangible uh, expressions of spirituality for Catholics at the time, and so it was. Um, it was a hymn that captured this very beautifully, very movingly. It's associated with a particular um, Franciscan uh, friar, uh, Jacoponi da, da Todi. Um, it's also linked a bit to also to to Pope Innocent III, who may have particularly promoted it. So it comes out of the Franciscan spirituality as well, wow. which was very much uh, the spirit of St. Francis too. He had great devotion to Our Lady. And uh, he himself wanted to so unite himself with the sufferings of Christ that he asked to let him suffer with Christ physically what Christ endured. So there on Mount Alverna, as he prayed for this, his prayer was answered and he was the first person to receive the stigmata. Mm -hmm. So he carried the wounds of Christ. And all of that is connected with the spirit of that, of that time that gave rise to this very beautiful hymn. Often when I sing this hymn, particularly on Good Friday and other occasions, when we're, when we're saying the Stations of the Cross, my mind goes back to medieval times and goes back to that uh, that particular um, spirituality, that particular uh, expression of Catholic understandings of uh, the, the significance of the sufferings of Christ and, the, and the, the heart of Mary, which was pierced, if you like, as the prophet Simeon said would happen as he stood at the foot of the cross. Wow, well, that's... Amazing to hear about Bishop Julian, and, and I'm sure that our uh, listeners are wondering what question we'll ask you next week and what beautiful hymn you'll tell us about. So thank you. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit radio.org.au.